Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and today I'm talking to Melissa Rolfs, who all through her childhood, into marriage, into motherhood, was crabby, exhausted, 30 pounds heavier, stuffing her feelings down under a layer of sugar. And here she tells her before and after story. And just before we hear her story, I'd like to tell you about my website, aftersugarclub.com, where you can find tons of free resources about how to reduce sugar and how to look after your gut health with fermented probiotic foods and drinks. You'll also find all of the podcast episodes on the website, as well as information about the six-week Life After Sugar program. That's on my website, aftersugarclub.com. That's where you can download your simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. All right, here's my chat with Melissa. So, Melissa, lovely to see you again. And can you tell us a little bit about what your life was like when you were still eating sugar? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Um, I was very anxious. I was very overwhelmed. I thought that sugar made me feel better. I didn't realize it was actually making me feel worse. Um, By the time my husband would get home from work, I would pretty much be curled up in fetal position on the couch because I was exhausted. And I was pretty angry too. Like I wasn't a real pleasant, nice, happy person to be around. So it was not very pretty. And was this just when you were an adult or did this start in childhood or teenagehood? It started in childhood. I remember being eight years old and keeping pop tarts and cookies and candy in my room. And we um, had little visitors that pooped on the bed and pulled on me. So the mice ratted me out. But yeah, it started in childhood. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. I wasn't expecting you to say that. (laughs) Yeah, surprise. (laughs) So did you sneak those things into your room? Like, did, did your mom know? No, I put them in my backpack and I just took them in and I had like my little drawer, my bottom drawer, my dresser that I hid them in. Why did you hide them? Like, is it because you weren't allowed to have them? Oh, probably because I had had too many. I just, I think I was embarrassed because I was eating it excessively. I mean, it wasn't like just a Pop-Tart. It was like three or four things of Pop-Tarts. Like it wasn't good. Um, So yeah. Yeah. And like, did your parents ever find out? Because of the mouse poop, yes. But otherwise, I don't know. Like, and I'm thinking about it now because you would think they would be like, wow, we just bought Pop-Tarts. Why are they gone already? I don't know. They were both working. They were busy. So it was probably me like looking for attention. I don't know. <laughs> and, and so you, you would sneak all these things into your room. They would attract the mouse, the mice, mouse poop. <laughs> 
Um, okay, I'm trying to get that image out of my head now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then what, like, how long did this go on for? Well, the, ma the thankfully the mice went away, but me continuing to live off of sugar continued until, I mean, I remember being in high school and I would eat like a big cookie for lunch um, after, you know, high school went on to college, would eat sugar all the time after college eating tubs of ice cream, um, carried into marriage, motherhood. And that's kind of when it hit the fan was I'm like, okay, this is not, this is not working. And what kind of tipped you off that, you know, it wasn't serving you anymore? Well, I, I think the moment Netta where I really kind of hit my knees was when my son was a newborn and he wasn't sleeping. And we had a two-year-old daughter who had some sensory challenges and some undiagnosed food allergies. My husband was traveling for work and I had just gotten a PTSD diagnosis from childhood. And so that kind of led me to think, okay, with the food allergies, we need to change our diet. With my PTSD, I tried medicine, it didn't work. So I went to a naturopath and she did vitamin and mineral testing and everything was tanked as you can imagine because I was living off of sugar. Um, and so she did some supplementation and then I learned about the impact of food. And I remember one day going to the chiropractor for our son, cause he was really fussy. And the chiropractor was like, what did you eat? Because I was nursing him. And I'm like, I had some Oreos and I thought it was innocent and fine that I had had some Oreos until Netta, she asked how many I had eaten. And I had to tell her I had eaten like half of the container in one sitting because I was so overwhelmed. So that moment was like okay, Melissa, you need to figure this out because it's not working. And so the person that asked you that question, what have you been eating, was a chiropractor. It's kind of not necessarily the person we would imagine asking that question. You'd think your doctor would ask you, no? So and she was great. I mean, she was a mom and she, you know, I was my friend more or less. I feel like we had become friends during that time. And I... I guess I felt comfortable admitting that to her because I might not have otherwise, you know, cause there's some shame with that. Cause it's embarrassing to eat half a sleeve of Oreos because you're an overwhelmed mom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's kind of normal to feel overwhelmed when you're the mom of babies been there. And so it's like, it's, just, it's almost like a, a new mom or people like us that had, that felt overwhelmed. It's like, we don't know what else to do than what we've always done. Mm -hmm. So how did you climb out of that hole? I think the naturopath was the first big step because I think that was really the first time someone had made me aware of what it was doing to my body, not weight. It was never about weight, but it was like, this is how it's impacting your energy. This isn't how it's impacting your moods. This is why you're angry. And I really was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. So I feel like learning that was really powerful. And then I translated it to my kids and I'm like, oh my gosh, how is what they're eating impacting them? And so I feel like that was my first step, but then really becoming aware of when I was eating sugar and why I was eating sugar and what I was looking for it to do. And it wasn't doing, I think that was just really eye-opening as well. And did you learn that on your own or did you get some help? I think probably both and because um, I started it on my own and then 
was like, wow, this is really amazing. This is really powerful. I want to help other women. So I went to school to become a coach and I learned some stuff in my training that supplemented what I had learned. So I think it was kind of both and, but my journey was long and drawn out and hard. <laughs> I want to make it short and easier for people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause it is, when we do this on our own, you know, from the awareness to the, well, how do I translate this into actual food and actual kind of actions to, to, it's like, have, it's like we're missing a toolbox and we don't know. And, and I was the exact same. We just don't know how else to deal with the overwhelm and the exhaustion. And we just don't know. Nobody teaches that stuff. Right. So how did you learn it? I think a lot of it was through my training, to be honest with you, because I had learned some of it and I was kind of like getting by, I was piecing through, but then, like you said, the toolbox, like I just got this whole new toolbox and really learned things like replacing judgment with curiosity, because I was so quick to be like, oh, you shouldn't have eaten that and just kind of beat myself up. But then if you can step back and be like, why did I do that? That changes everything because then you realize why you're doing what you don't want to be doing. And then you can figure out a new way of doing it. Can you give us an example? Just one example of how you switch that around. Yeah. So for example, I love to like, when my kids would take a nap, I would go into the pantry and I would like have my treat. Like it was my thing. Mind you, after I had eaten like a diet, you know, a big pretzel with cheese and diet pepper for lunch, carbs and sugar. Um, but I was like, what am, why am I doing that? I'm not even hungry but what am I looking for? And I was looking for the ability to be able to relax. And for some reason I associated sugar with relaxing, whereas maybe I just needed to shift what I was doing and give myself the 10 or 20 minutes to sit down and read a book or journal or do something I enjoyed instead of working around the house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was just, was it, Kind of, you knew what you had to do or was it trial and error? Oh, it was trial and error for sure. <laughs> Lots of trial and error. <laughs> and how old were you more or less when you kind of felt that you, you had enough tools to be able to feel okay, feel good? Okay, I have to do the math now. Our, I was 32 when we had our son. So probably 30, 36, that'd be right. 30, 36, 37, later than I'd like to be later in life, you know, like if I could have learned this before I had kids. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yes, but better late than never. Absolutely. And, you know, I still have so much more time ahead of me now with this. So it all works out like it should. Yeah, that's great. Cause I didn't learn it until way into my forties. So you, you got a head start. <laughs> <laughs> and so now that you, can I ask how old you are now? Yeah, absolutely. I have to do the math again. Um, I'm 43. Is that right? Or I will be 43. Hold on. Yeah, I'm 43. <laughs> <laughs> so now do you feel like you have a better toolbox, like you're more confident to know what to do? I mean, I imagine you're still going to get overwhelmed and, and life still happens. Would you Absolutely. feel like you're better equipped to deal with it now? Absolutely. In fact, this might be, you know, a little bit too much, but my son had a classmate pass away last year and it was traumatic. He's 10 years old and it was right before COVID hit and we didn't get to have the celebration of life. And we just ended up having it yesterday. 
And Netta, I came home from that and I just sat in our bedroom and I just cried and I cried and I cried. And I'm like, you know what, this is really good because a few years ago I would have just eaten the sugar and not let the tears out. I would have felt like I had to hold it all together and I have to be strong. And I would have used sugar to kind of help me numb, but I just was able to like, let it out and yeah, it still hurts and it's painful, but it's okay. (laughs) That's amazing. Yes. It's like you let yourself live and feel your feelings Yes, and, and not try to numb them. We have to kind of learn how to be uncomfortable. And sugar used to just numb all those feelings, right? Absolutely. I was telling my husband last night, I think that we as people, we don't want to feel pain. And so we'll do what we can to numb or buffer or stuff. And for some people, it's alcohol. Some people, it's drugs. Some people, it's cigarettes. Mine was sugar. That was my my MO because it was legal and socially acceptable and thrown out at parades. And, you know, everybody else is doing it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. And I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yes. So what about with your kids? Do you allow them sugar? They have some sugar. Um, they are so funny because they'll come home and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe what so-and-so got at the snack cart or what they had in their lunch. And that would make me feel so sick. Um, so yeah, they do have some sugar. My daughter's birthday Saturday and we're getting her cupcakes um, for that. But you know, we scrape the icing off half of it because they just put so much on there. But yes, they do have some sugar. <laughs> yeah. And, and do they sneak stuff into their bedrooms no mouse poop at your house no thank goodness no <laughs> <laughs> we have you know be thankful for small mercies there <laughs> yes and they love that story because I'm like you don't want to have mouse poop on your bed kids <laughs> yeah that that should be a slogan for some <laughs> so they have a healthy relationship with sugar because as far as I can tell you don't um, forbid it Mm-mm. but you don't encourage it Mm-mm. you're kind of pretty neutral about it yeah absolutely I mean you know our son got baptized last week and so he wanted to have ice cream and I'm like that's great we'll celebrate with some ice cream like that's okay so it's kind of a full week with the ice cream last week and the cupcake this week that's not normal but <laughs> but it's there all the same it's not like you haven't made it into some big deal yeah and nor have they yeah, yeah I think that's really healthy mm-hmm. And do you get kind of social pressure around you from people remarking on what you eat or what you don't eat? I used to. I remember it was harder in the beginning because you still, I think as people, we want to fit in, we want to belong. And I think we make a bigger deal of it in our minds than most people do. And then when we draw attention to it, they kind of pick up on it. Um, So I remember in the beginning, I very much felt that way, but now not really. Yeah, cool. And did you, do you remember ever having cravings when you first dropped sugar? Oh my gosh. Yes. Terrible cravings. And I was, it was like withdrawal. Like it was, it wasn't good. What kind, how did that kind of make you feel? What, what kind of symptoms did you have? Well, I was incredibly crabby. Uh, It was, yeah. I think that my mood was probably the worst. Um, But I remember my sleep started to improve and I'm like, this is really good. Like you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm energetic. I don't feel like I'm dragging to get out of bed. My mind is more clear. And I think the further I got away from it, the better I felt, the more I'm like, this is so much more worth it than that quick, you know, immediate dopamine rush that we get when we eat it. (laughs) 
Yes, yes, yes. So it, how long did that last, like this kind of crabby, kind of, I've got to get over this hump? I think probably a good three to four weeks, but I also was able to be like, you know what? I'm going to cut this out and I'm going to put this in place of. So I think I did a really good job of like satisfying the craving, but just with an upgrade, um, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I'm the queen of simple swaps because that's been my saving grace. <laughs> so what kind of things did you eat to replace sugar then? Oh, I would eat some fresh fruit and I would sprinkle a couple of dairy-free chocolate chips on the top. So I still had a little bit of sugar. Um, so I would do that. I love like coffee and hot tea with honey. I feel like that was kind of good. It's still sugar, I realize. Um, but just like enough to get a, you know, that the taste buds and then to kind of wean myself off. So, yeah, yeah, that's wise, you know, and, and do you find that your tastes changed the less sugar you eat? Absolutely. Now carrots taste really sweet to me, which is so funny. <laughs> who, who would have thought, right? I know. <laughs> I mean, we used to eat carrot cake and it was like the carrots were the least sweet thing. Yes. <laughs> and when, when you celebrate, like, you, you know, your kids, uh, your daughter, you say, is having cupcakes for her birthday. What do you have to celebrate? What do you have to eat? I'll probably do half of a cupcake. I'll do it with them because I don't want them to be like, oh, mom's not doing this. I just don't want them to have that idea. So I'll have, you know, a half of one or eat until I'm full and then I'll be done. But I'll complain about how much frosting they put on it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And have you found your yourself sort of discovering new tastes and new foods as, as sugar went down? Absolutely. I love vegetables. I love, um, I feel like fruit tastes a lot sweeter now, almost like too sweet. Um, but I you know, just for lunch today, I had like a bowl of rice and some vegetables with some garlic salt. And I'm like, this just tastes really satisfying. Like who would have ever have thought? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's, has your taste become more sensitive? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And have you eaten all the sugary foods or these, you know, processed fast foods? Have you eaten those since you cut sugar? I have tried and I don't feel good at all afterwards. And it's like, I, I'm, it's not worth it because I just don't feel good. Is there one food that totally knocks you out? That's a good question. Probably a blizzard from Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> we used to eat those every week. It was like our Sunday night dinner. <laughs> oh my Here goodness. we go. <laughs> yes, I remember those. Yes, I couldn't even get through one when I was eating sugar. And they're probably bigger in the States than they are here in Canada. I imagine. Oh, I'm sure. Because everything is bigger here. Yeah. Everything's bigger. I didn't dare say it. <laughs> well, well. So, so now you help other people break free from sugar. Is that right? Absolutely. Sugar and emotional eating. Because I feel like that was my, it was both. And I was never eating emotional eating carrots. Yeah, you don't really. Because they don't do that to your brain. So, and it's like, sometimes when you're so used to emotional eating, you're not even aware that you're doing it. And then you're like, well, I can't let go of these foods that make me feel good because carrots or whatever are not gonna give me that good feeling, which is really what a dopamine hit, yep. is that what it is? And, and the, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, the, the whole point of being sugar-free or feeling free from sugar, as I, like, I prefer to say, 
is that you don't need that dopamine hit because you're not down needing to be dragged up again. Is that, is that your experience? 100% yes, because when you are doing that, your blood sugar crashes and what do you need? You need more sugar. And so you're constantly up and down and up and down and there's no stability. Yeah, that's, that's what you experienced. That's what I experienced. And I have a feeling that we're not the only two. <laughs> we're not. Yeah, yes. And I think it helps for people listening to hear that, you know, they're not alone. They're not the only ones. It's not the end of the world. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Or, you know, it's, there's so many of us that went through it, but there's something better on the other side. Absolutely. And there is a toolbox out there that, you know, you have it, I have it, you know, we're kind of all working together to try and hand out these tools to people so that they can have an alternative to sugar for feeling better. And do you find that, just to finish up, do you find that your your, are your kids at school or are they homeschooled? They're at school. They're at school. So do you find that the school, the school's kind of outlook on sugar um, is in alignment with yours? You know, it's interesting. We moved here almost two and a half years ago. And I remember when we moved and I was talking to the principal and they were like, this school is sugar free. And I'm like, that's amazing. I was so excited. But their definition of sugar-free and mine aren't quite the same, which is okay, um, because they they have had sugar. So I probably should revisit that. But no, it really doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't match. Yes, they they like to have like our my daughter's primary school said, you know, we're a green school, like we're ecological. I mean, they aren't. At least they didn't say they were sugar-free because <laughs> they would have heard from me. <laughs> but. What kind, do teachers at your kids' school, do they like give them sweets at let's say Christmas or whatever for, or, or to, to, you know, for good grades or something? Do they do that? Well, let me rethink. Maybe it was candy free because maybe it was candy free because they don't, they, well, they have, that's the thing, right? Like they have a snack cart that they can earn money to and the snack cart is full of junk food um i'm trying to think at christmas yeah i think they did do treats around the holidays and like my daughter they have a they get to go on a field trip for the first time this year and they're going to chick-fil-a which is okay um i'm just rethinking that because what we usually do is because our kids have allergies is we have sent in their own treats that they can have. So I know what they're eating and they're not getting all the stuff. So I don't think I hear like, oh, so-and-so had a party and brought in this because they just have their stuff there. Oh, so yeah. I probably need to dig more into that. <laughs> well, I mean, what I can tell just from what you said is that that, that cart, what do you call it? A snack cart? Is snack cart. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a new term for me. <laughs> I mean, that is used as some kind of reward system. Yeah. yeah, and there is, there's no like real nutritious food on there at all because because that's not a reward, right? Right, no. That's no. for sarcasm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was just curious to know, yeah, that's a whole other battle. Yes, it sure is. Because it's, I think, a societal 
you know, we throw out the candy at parades and we give it out as rewards. And even like the dentist, when you don't have cavity, why are they giving you sugar? I mean, yeah, it helps their business, but come on, man. Yeah, that, that really is crazy. That's what it was like when I was a kid. Yeah, I would get candy for, you know, for being good in the dentist chair. <laughs> makes no sense. Well, and if you think about it too, like we potty train, like, you know, oh, I'm going to give them a Skittle to go to the bathroom. Like, so we're almost conditioning them. Like I, when I'm good and I get a reward, it's a treat. It's candy. Yes. Yes. I mean, we're kind of all responsible. There's no blame, but that, you know, it's a question of responsibility and just being aware that we actually do that is, is a big step. Yep. Absolutely. It's the very first step. Yes, totally. How can people get in touch with you? Um, my website is www.free, the number two, the letter B, coaching.com. So free to be coaching.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Melissa. It's lovely talking to you. Yes, thank you, Netta. It was great to talk with you, my fellow low sugar friend. <laughs> <laughs> so great to talk to you, Melissa. Again, her website is free to be coaching.com. And if you're wondering what to replace all those sugary and starchy foods with, head on over to my website, aftersugarclub.com, and click on the tab, What to Eat. I've got a few free videos for you there that should give you some good ideas. And you can also see the types of meals that I eat on my Instagram account, at mylifeaftersugar, and get lots more inspiration from my daily lives on my Facebook page, Life After Sugar. And I regularly have chats on Clubhouse about the benefits of living a sugar-free life. And if you're enjoying this podcast, scroll down and let me know by leaving me a review. And don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss another episode. Thanks for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.